Hello, and welcome to the NLP Highlights Podcast, where we talk about interesting recent work in natural language processing. This is Matt Gardner and Walid Ammar. We are research scientists at the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence. All right, for today, our guest is Isabel Augenstein, who recently started as an assistant professor at the University of Copenhagen. She previously was working as a postdoc with Sebastian Riedel and has done some work on machine reading from scientific articles, including organizing a shared task at Semival 2017, and that's uh, the main thing we're going to talk about today. So thanks for being with us, Isabel. No problem. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, can, you, can you tell us uh, what this shared task was about? So this shared task was about extracting information from publications, specifically key phrases and relations between them. And why did you want to organize this shared task? Like what, why is this an interesting problem? So the main motivation is that uh, when researchers start working on a new problem, they have to find papers about the topic in order to know what the related work is and what they can build on. And in order to do so, uh, those search engines, they have to have some understanding about what the key phrases are and the relations between them, how the key phrases are organized hierarchically. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the main motivation between organizing the shared task to help I don't know, people who build these search engines help researchers find better papers about their research areas. Right. The timing of this uh, shared task was, uh, was very appropriate for us uh, in the Semantic Scholar team because we were just starting to work on this problem like uh, at the same time. And they provided uh, a bunch of label data, which is very rare in this domain. Um, and that was, uh, was, very, was very convenient. Uh, so recently, like a little plug for Sun Scholar here, we recently uh, made a, a release with uh, basically identifying key phrases and some of the relations uh, between entities, and we're making them uh, available through the Sun Scholar website. So you, you can now find the according like uh, the association between uh, papers and their key phrases. Nice. Great. So, so yeah, a useful shared task. So how exactly um, was this shared task set up? What what went into putting it together? Um, so I had just started my postdoc at UCL and um, the postdoc was um, uh, uh, based on a grant with Elsevier. And the problem was that they, um, well, th there was no data really to, in order to work on this problem. So um, we could have just started working on some unsupervised approaches or so, but we thought it would be fun um, to organize a shared task on this to also get other people in the community interested in this problem. Um, so yeah, one of the first things I did when I started my postdoc at UCL work on, was to work on this shared task proposal. And yeah, so the process was, we submitted a proposal, we waited, and then at some point it was approved. And um, yeah, also actually, uh, we looked for some collaborators to write this proposal. And um, fortunately, Andrew McCullum is also very interested in the problem, and he was uh, he was interested in working uh, with us on that. So, did you have annotations before you submitted the shared task uh, proposal? Um, not on this data set. No, we started. Yeah, we started looking into it a little bit. Uh, specifically, um, Andrew started looking into it a little bit, but we didn't properly start annotating the data sets. No. Did you have funding for the annotations, or did that come after the proposal was accepted? How did that work? No, we talked to Elsevier, and they um, they said they would fund us to annotate the data set. Okay. Yeah. So, can you give us some more details on what exactly you annotated and how that worked? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so what we wanted to annotate specifically um, were uh, materials, processes, and um, tasks. So processes are things like methods and equipment, uh, and then tasks are things like information extraction. Um, materials are things like data sets or physical materials, if you're thinking about material science. And then the relations between them were hyponym off and synonym off. And I already mentioned material science. So what I wanted to add uh, now is that we looked at different domains. So we looked at computer science, material science and physics, and we selected papers from those domains to annotate. Did you find any relative uh, difficulty in finding people to annotate uh, depending on which domain? Um, no, I think it was equally difficult for all the domains. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. We selected students to annotate and we just sent out emails and uh, UCL was so nice as to um, help us advertise it actually on the UCL website um, where students can look for mini jobs. <laughs> so, so that helped. But still, yeah, they got, they got tired of annotating very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious to know if you uh, tried to crowdsource this because uh, like sometimes I don't know, like sometimes we we underestimate what the crowdsource uh, workers can can or cannot do. Uh, in this case, in this particular case, I would not expect them to be able to do uh, to do the annotation with high, with high quality. But maybe if there is enough redundancy, we might be able to get something out. Maybe yes. So we did one pilot study with one annotator who was an engineering student, and we thought we would start with that to see what is possible at all. And um, the annotator already found it difficult being a, a you know a domain expert. So we thought we could, really could not give this to just um, any crowd workers. I see. Just to, to to give the listeners an example of what we're talking about to make this a little more concrete. Uh, in the paper describing the shared task, there's a, an example paragraph, and I'm just going to read it and then tell you what the key phrases and stuff are. It's, information extraction is the process of extracting, of extracting structured data from unstructured text, which is relevant for several end-to-end -end tasks, including question answering. The paper addresses the tasks of named entity recognition, NER, a subtask of information extraction, using conditional random fields, CRF. Our method is evaluated on the Connell 20, 2003 NER corpus. So in here we have uh, several tasks that are mentioned, including information extraction, question answering, named and named entity recognition. There are some processes or, or methods, which are conditional random fields. And there's a data set, which is the Connell 2003 NER corpus. And the relations that are expressed here are uh, named entity recognition is the same as or a synonym for the NER that was in quotes in the text. And it's a, an instance of, or a hyponym of, information extraction. And similarly, C conditional random fields is a synonym for CRF. So these are the kinds of things that, that we want a system uh, to be able to extract, and that we want annotators to be able to reliably recover, right? Yes. And I, I can see, looking at this, how it might be difficult for someone um, to know that question answering should be labeled as a task, for instance. Like, how do you, how do you know that certain phrases should be tasks or should not, it really, it, it's a whole lot easier if you're a domain expert to know yeah. what this is. Yeah, and uh, we've also been trying to do this for uh, like the medical domains, which I have absolutely no idea about. <laughs> so it was very difficult to come up with guidelines uh, to help the annotators 
uh, be consistent and provide like uh, useful uh, annotations for us. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, how did you do? Uh, how did you design the guidelines for the annotators? Um, so we had this one annotator who was uh, doing a pre-study with us, and um, she helped um, to develop the guidelines. So we went back and forth a little bit. Yeah, but basically it was just, yeah, based on that and based on our experience with annotating data. And how, how uh, like, how consistent did you find the annotators after uh, they got finalizing the guidelines? Uh, they weren't so consistent. You can find it in the paper, actually. Uh, we we um, measured Cohen's Kappa, and some of the students who were, who were very motivated, they did well. But um, as I already mentioned earlier, people tend to get tired after a while. And um, yeah, e yeah, either tired or bored or didn't want to finish it. It's hard to tell afterwards, right? Um, yeah, but those, those who tried and who read the guidelines and so on, they did well. So uh, given how hard this was, how big of a data set were you, were you able to collect? Uh, we collected a few hundreds of in, of, of um, annotations, uh, or I mean, we annotated a few hundreds of papers, but actually just paragraphs in those papers. <laughs> yeah. I see. So uh, yeah, looking at the data, it looks like 350 training examples here. That mm -hmm. seems really small. That seems like a really hard task. However, right? this is yeah. the biggest data set yeah, available yeah. for this task. So yeah, right. thank it's you not for yes. making it. <laughs> it, yeah. it that, that wasn't supposed to be a criticism. It's just, wow, this, is, this, this seems hard to learn because it's a tiny data set. Yeah. Uh, and the, so I guess just looking at this, uh, the, the table in the paper, it looks like there were almost 6,000 labeled key phrases. So that's more than 10 per paragraph. That's, I guess, better than than 500 sounds. So 500 paragraphs total, but each one has like 10 uh, key phrases. And if it's a tagging problem, uh, which I believe you treated this as, um, then it's not just 500 examples. It's uh, if, if you treat the tag itself as a single example, it's 500 times the length of the passage. And so it's a little bit better than it sounds at first glance, but it's still pretty small. Yeah. Interesting. So fast forward to the uh, actual participation, like when when the participants say they they want to uh, join the shared task. Like, how was it like? What's the process like? How much time did you spend organizing and like coordinating with the, the with the other uh, other with the other shared task organizers and the participants? Um, so, so that was also quite a lot of work. So uh, Semirad piloted this system called Codalab for uploading data and evaluating uh, results. And um, yeah, it, it, it was a new system to us and it was a new system to lots of the organizers and uh, we didn't 100% know how to use it. So that was quite a, yeah, quite a hard uh, <laughs> process for us. Uh, and also, um, participants um, found problems in the in the training data, like annotation errors, and we didn't really know what to do about it, right? Because the data was annotated by the by some some students, right? And um, yeah, um, we eventually um, re-annotated some of the data based on feedback we got from participants and re-released it. But um, yeah, it was really hard to deal with those small things. 
are you planning to organize another one? Uh, maybe not not necessarily for the same for the same task, but in general, uh, based on this like experience, would you encourage other people to design and uh, organize shared tasks? I think the shared task was very successful in um, what what I envisaged for it to achieve, uh, which is to get people to be interested in the problem. And from that perspective, I would absolutely encourage people to to organize new shared tasks. Um, but um, at, at the stage where I organized a shared task, I was a postdoc, and um, I think um, it's more useful for PhD students to take the lead on organizing shared tasks, shared tasks, because they can still learn a lot of things about, I don't know, organ um, annotating data, organizing tasks, and all of this. And to me, that was I already knew things about that, so. Um, I didn't have so much to learn from that, I think. Is it just yeah. just pain, a bunch of painful work? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, as you said, it, it ended up really useful, and it, I think it's a really interesting problem, so thanks for doing that painful work, because it was a nice task. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> thanks for participating. <laughs> uh, I guess that's a nice segue to tell us about um, what you actually found. I guess we haven't yet talked about how you evaluated, like what was the setup for the actual task itself? given the, the data that you collected. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we really wanted participants to do, and um, that was not successful, uh, <laughs> was to get them to work on several tasks at once. So the actual tasks are um, identifying key phrase boundaries, then classifying key phrases, so saying if they're processes or tasks or materials, and then um, also classifying relations, uh, recognizing relations and classifying them into hypernym and synonym. Right. And we wanted participants to work on several of those tasks at once and potentially work on uh, joint learning solutions to those tasks. And participants didn't seem to want to do that. Um, so, sounds like <laughs> a hard problem with a lot of joint variables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we thought that would be super interesting, a super interesting learning problem. But uh, participants were more interested in just working on boundary detection or boundary detection classification, because that's very similar to name entity recognition and classification. So I would guess that people already had some idea of how to go about it and were more interested in applying existing solutions or slightly reworking them. Interesting. Yeah. But then the evaluation scenarios that we had uh, for those we actually took the different uh, types of tasks together. So people had to um, work on relation extraction or on key phrase classification and relation extraction or on all of the three things together. And we provided the goals labeled data for the tasks that the, the other ones relied on. So I guess I see in uh, what's table three in this paper that I'm looking at, I, there's an, there are results overall for teams that did all three of your subtasks, which, as you said, are like key phrase identification, key phrase classification, and relation classification or, or extraction. Um, and there are a bunch of teams that did all three of these. So what do you mean they didn't They didn't do them jointly? Uh, it, it, were these all pipeline systems? Like, I'm a little confused as to what you meant there. Oh, sorry. They, they developed solutions for all the three tasks, but they didn't develop a joint learning approach for all of these tasks. I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, how well did systems do? Uh, do, you, do you think we learned something interesting about solving this problem from this result? Um, 
Yeah, so so one of the things I found really interesting from this is that scientific key phrases tend to be quite long, and that's what made the key phrase boundary detection task already very challenging. Because uh, so they're longer than say a, a name entity typically is. Can you give do you, do you know off the top of your head any example of a longer key phrase? As I the example that that we talked about earlier just had I think the the largest key phrase was three words, conditional random field. Oh, wait, no, yeah. the, the Connell 2003 NER data set might have been four words. Yeah. Do, do you or, know off um, the top of your head a longer one? If not, that's okay. I don't know, maybe name entity recognition and classification methods or so. Oh, that would be quite yeah, long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't remember like a decent percentage were more than five words, uh, which yes. is kind of rare. For Interesting. Yeah. The, the way you said that, I could see how a student who isn't really familiar with this would have annotated that longer phrase. But if I saw named entity recognition and classification methods, there's no way I would say that's a single key phrase. <laughs> I would, I would have yeah. split that up. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you had an ACL paper uh, which uh, like explores you doing uh, multitask learning for this particular, uh, for the key phrase extraction task, right? Uh, would you like to yes. tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So um, the idea of the ACL paper was that, well, um, we can we can approach the task of um, key phrase identification classification very similar to how one would approach a name entity recognition classification task, which is just a tagging problem, right? So a sequence uh, labeling problem. Um, but um, as we already discussed earlier, there isn't a lot of training data available for the task. Um, so one of the things that works very well in such low resource scenarios is to use multitask learning. So that is to try to learn multiple tasks at once. And um, yeah, so then we can use uh, data of related tasks like um, identifying hyperlinks or so. And uh, what happens is that the input to the neural model is specific to each task and the hidden layers um, are shared between the tasks. So uh, the key phrase identification and hyperlink detection, they would share the hidden layers. But then the output layer is specific to each task because, of course, they need to predict different things, the model, yeah, for the different tasks. So what, what kind of tasks did you use? You mentioned hyperlink detection. Um, any other tasks? Yeah, um, we use chunking, uh, frame net target identification, hyperlink detection, multi-word identification, and supersense tagging. So basically other tasks which try to encourage the model to find boundaries between uh, pretty much noun phrases, but some of them also try, try to identify like key phrases really, but in a different sense. Um, Yes, exactly. Yeah, that was the idea. And what's like the strategy for training uh, across the different tasks for training the model, um, like alternating the loss function between the different tasks? How would you do that? Yeah, exactly. So in each uh, in each training um, iteration, a task is randomly sampled, and then um, you know um, for that task, the loss is computed and so on. Um, and the, the parameters are updated, and um, then a new task is sampled again. So it's just uh, a random sampling of tasks. So I suppose you do you sample a batch of uh, of similar tasks, of examples in a similar task, and then uh, uh, draw another batch from a 
from an, the next uh, the next task is a trade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and ideally you want the training data to be roughly of the similar size, because otherwise you oversample for one task. Would it or be... you have to. Uh, sorry, uh, please continue. Oh, sorry. Or you have to you have to introduce some some additional functionality, so you actually only sample a similar amount from each task. I, I would expect uh, like oversampling from the actual tasks that we care about. So in this case, key phrase extraction uh, to be a, a reasonable thing to do. I would like would it would it be reasonable to give it higher weight or uh, sample from it more often? Uh, I mean, intuitively, yes, but in practice, people don't seem to do that or it doesn't seem to work any better. So what I typically do is I uh, de um, I determine when to stop training based on the main task. Uh, that, that works well in practice. So to have some early stopping criterion based on the main task, development, set performance. Interesting. So uh, this sounds very much like one of the tasks in your shared task. Uh, was this method that we're talking about a submission to the shared task? Um, no, so we did this work before the shared task in a way, or while we were working on annotating the train data of the shared task. And then just, it, it seems like you could have just used this, submitted it as a competitor in the shared task. Did you, why did you decide against that? Um, well, task organizers shouldn't submit to their own tasks really. Um, so that's why we didn't do it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I, is that really like a conflict, though? Kind of. Like they're they're both a participant and a judge. I feel like any participant would question the results if uh, Isabel says, "Hey, we have the best results." <laughs> <laughs> though, if you if you establish the the judging criteria in some fair, objective way. Like, is it really a problem? Well, one key thing is the test set. It's supposed, like you, the participants don't get the gold the, uh, the gold labels for <clears> them. <throat> uh, although some did. <laughs> because, you know, for in order to do some tasks, you had, you had to be able to get uh, the gold data for other tasks. So, for, in particular, in order to evaluate your system just for relation extraction, you need to get uh, some standard annotation for the key phrases. And uh, so uh, in that case, that was the gold uh, the gold labels. So I was one of the uh, participants who had access to uh, to the key phrases, but I was basically, uh, I'm committed not to use it for uh, while predicting that test. So basically uh, the, uh, the organizer was trusting the participants to be uh, responsible. Okay. Yeah, but in future, I mean, this Coda Lab system also allows people to up, uh, upload Docker containers, so they can actually upload their code as a Docker container, and then run it on new data. And um, when we submitted the task proposal and we thought about all of these things, we thought participants would upload their codes, and then the system would run it on new data. But then the semi-val organizers decided that would be too complicated somehow, and too involved, and so yeah. So we should upload the data instead. Um, but yeah, we still decided to stick with our evaluation, um, different evaluation scenarios. Well, in fairness, it does add quite a bit of complication, especially for someone who haven't tried like the system before, for like the Code Lab system, or uh, never tried uh, like Docker containers before. 
it, oh absolutely i can i can understand why they decided that <laughs> yeah i guess uh we haven't talked too much about uh what actually like the systems that did best on this task maybe that's Waleed trying to be humble about this and avoid talking about it because his system won <laughs> Uh, and actually, yeah. actually, I think the result is pretty sim. Like the the best system is pretty similar to the multitask stuff that you were just talking about. Your your previous system. Yeah. Because. Um, yeah, I mean, you you can think of uh, our submission for this shared task as uh, uh, multitask learning, where the other task is language model. Although to be more accurate, we were doing basically model transfer. We were training uh, most of the model parameters using a language model and uh, basically you can think of language models uh, trained on new genres of unlabeled data as uh, as like you're learning how to encode how to get a better encoding for individual tokens and uh, you can like you can think of this as a, a pretty good featureization of every of every word in your input um, and it turns out to be very effective and not just for this task uh, Matt has a whole bunch of other tasks where uh, where, where this shows to be a, a very useful, uh, a very useful uh, approach. And he just said Matt. That's Matt Peters, and, Matt, and not Matt Gardner. Matt Peters. Just, yes. Just in case that's Wallace's co-author there. Uh, I guess the you don't you didn't describe that as multitask learning, but as as you and Isabel were talking earlier, it, like it, you really are just interleaving a language modeling objective with the NER objective. It's just your interleaving is quite artificial because you're doing all of, all of the language modeling first. So, in a, I don't know, I, I think it's interesting to think about these as, as similar. Were there any other uh, interesting highlights from the systems that people submitted? Um, yeah, um, I think what was quite interesting was uh, to see that there were some people doing very well with just developing some simple features with uh, also rule-based systems. Um, I think the system that did best on the scenario which one was it? Three uh, or C, uh, which is just relation extraction, was a system just using um, Hearst patterns. Yeah. They just spent a lot of time developing some really good rules, and because the data set was so small, and yeah, somehow it, it worked quite well. Yeah, that's, that's but otherwise, yeah. Uh, I guess it's a the rule-based systems aren't dead, particularly if you want to build the best system for some product, right? I guess a, a lot of industrial applications still use really simple techniques, even though us researchers like to think that um, our, our fancy complicated systems are better in practice. It, sometimes you can engineer better systems without it. I'd say it depends on the domain. If, if the domain is fairly limited and you'd expect most of the examples to look alike, to some extent, yeah, I I agree. But there are many examples where this field, basically, machine translation is one of them. Uh, for example, Microsoft uh, had started using like with, with rule-based um, uh, models, and it, it, they were not scalable at all. Um, in order to do it for more languages, and uh, and when you have access to more more labeled data, uh, it it makes much uh, much more sense to use uh, statistical models. And I think yeah. in this particular case, because we don't have much labeled data, that's probably the reason. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I would have said the same thing because here we don't have enough label training data. Those systems still perform well. So we, what we should have done really is to annotate more data. <laughs> but that's hard, right? Uh, yeah. Any, any, do you have any ideas on how to make that easier? Is that an interesting problem to you anymore? Like how to yeah. scale up this annotation effort? Yeah, um, it is interesting to me and we try to do I mean, we tried to do this, but then in the end it didn't work so well. Um, one of the things I worked on for my PhD was distance supervision, where you have a knowledge base consisting of relations, um, and you try to use this knowledge base to automatically annotate text that you can then train a, a model on to extract more relations. And uh, we tried to do something he similar here but for some reason it was really really hard and I think it's because the uh, key phrases are so so long and we didn't have a good knowledge base to start with. One, one thing that I've wanted to get semantic scholar team to do is allow researchers to annotate various things about papers and authors as they use the website. Do you think mm. Uh, well, while Walid is shaking his head because I, I don't know if he, he thinks this is a good idea, but but my question for you is would you would you if you had the ability to annotate things on Semantic Scholar, would you um, contribute at least a little bit of your time to doing some annotation for a paper you cared about? I think if I saw this as a new feature, I would be interested and I would do it, but I probably wouldn't do it, uh, I mean, more than two, three times. Right. Um, but yeah, another interesting thing is actually to let researchers annotate their own papers because they want their own papers to be found uh, by by other people. So they might be interested in annotating their own papers if you send them an email saying, hey, we now have your paper index on Semantic Scholar, why don't you help us annotate it better? Yeah, I think that's key. We're, we're definitely exploring some of these ideas. Uh, like one thing that uh, we're a little worried about uh, in the first case is the quality of the data we collect. Um, but not just for, uh, like, for example, some people may be adversarial, trying to diminish the work of other researchers. Um, when we when we work on a product and we get like actual complaints, this becomes a real issue. Issue and uh, like doing con controlling the quality of uh, of suggestions is is a really like uh, is an operation that we cannot afford to do right now. Uh, but we definitely acknowledge the importance of this. Uh, of these contributions. The second one, uh, I think it's much more uh, reliable. Uh, I wouldn't expect um, Isabel to tell us wrong information about her papers. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. I guess I was a little naive because uh, I haven't worked on such a public product like that, accepting user-facing annotations because you're right, you'll get all kinds of garbage from random people. Yeah, we like some of the team members spent a lot of time trying to like come up with ways to do this quickly, but it, it was very hard and it was time consuming. No, it's not. It was not a very effective way of uh, using our time. So thanks, Isabel, for talking to us. <clears throat> Is there anything no else you'd problem. like to say about this shared task? Anything we missed that, that uh, you think we should have talked about? Uh, there's just one more thing. So in 2018, there will be a semi-val task on information extraction from scientific papers. Again, but it's nice. actually not organized by us. But um, yeah, I would encourage you to have a look. So that's focused on the relation extraction task. Cool. Great. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you.